This is Sunday Recap. Sunday Recap. A weekly sermon podcast. With Dave. With Dave. Ken. Chris. And Joey. Good show. Hedy Who. Well, welcome to another week of Sunday Recap Stuck in the House. We are uh, in our homes this week. I know that you just heard Claudia and Joseph say with Dave, Jim, Chris, and Joey. This week we're also with Elliot. Elliot is in the house, well, in his house, um, <laughs> with us today. Joining us, Elliot, is our, what is your official title? Celebrate Recovery Ministry Director? Intern? Yeah. What's your official yeah, title? All of it, all of it. It's like... Yeah, adult hmm. ministry assistant, intern, celebrity recovery director, all of it. He does all three. Of it all. <laughs> I think it's a little odd that all of us, whenever we're asked our title, go, well, a little this, a little that, and all of the above. <laughs> so that's kind of our brand, huh? That's mm. our brand. Well, we have Elliot with us today to discuss the sermon with us. Elliot is currently a student at DTS. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Working on his MDiv faithful member of our church, faithful father and husband, and we're so glad to have him with us today. Thanks for joining us, Elliot. Yes, sir. Hey, just a quick check for the audio portion in this. Is anybody not wearing headphones? Because I hear an echo. Does anybody else hear an echo? Maybe I'm crazy. Oh, I'm not I'm not wearing headphones. Do you need me to wear headphones? No, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's all right. I wouldn't worry about it. What do you think, Chris? Chris is the expert. Okay. You're good. I think I just heard it for a second. Uh, I think it's good. So, all right. We're good. We're going to roll with it. Hopefully, you all can hear us and see us. Uh, A little different method today we're using uh, to record and stuff. So, stuff messes up and you know it. Please let us know. But as always, for the last seven weeks, we are recording audio backups. And if we miss anything in the actual stream, if you're watching it live, it's better to find us on our, your podcast platform of your preference, your preferred podcast platform. I like that. Uh, find us there. We're there. And that'll have all the audio content in better HD quality. So join us there. Well, we're talking about the sermon this week. Sermon this week is our second sermon of our series. Um, what? How many weeks is this series, Dave? <laughs> mm, I don't know. Okay, cool, cool. That works for me. Well, ten or twelve. How about that? Ten or twelve. It's our brand. It's our brand. We need it. We well, need to make this a segment. This time for guessing the length of the series corner with Dave and Jim this week. <laughs> Applause! Yay! Uh, it's uh, seven or eight. Seven, seven or, eight. or eight weeks. All right, I'm gonna write yep, it down. Exactly seven or eight. It's exactly seven or eight. All right, well, we are at week two of a seven or eight-week series titled Mm. True Unity. This series is from the book of 1 Corinthians. (laughs) I said this series, and hey, Siri went off. Um, It did it again. Stop it. All right. Uh, Do not disturb. Do not disturb. I know, but I think Siri still goes. She's listening. All right. We are at week two of a seven or eight week series called True Unity from 1 Corinthians uh, chapters 1 through 4. Basically, the the idea behind it is that Christians all over the world are divided, and how do we find true unity? This week, your title was Division Hides the Cross. So, kind of a look at what uh, not having unity would be like. 
And this was from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting verse 10 through verse 25. And in the Black Pew Bibles, it's on page 952. I'm glad you still add that Mm. into your notes. Well done. That way way everyone who has the Black Pew Bibles at home can make sure they're turned to the right page. That's good. (laughs) Anything about choosing division, hiding the cross? Obviously, textual-based, but what what made you choose that as your title Um, this week? Let me think. Uh, I I felt like I hadn't focused as well the week before, and so I was really trying to focus on what's the problem, what's the problem, what's the problem. So so that title grew out of that, really. The the problem um, is... That division hides the cross. So opposite of the prayer of Jesus in John 17, you know, where he prays that we would be unified so that people would see Jesus. Now, this is the opposite of that. Paul's like, you're not unified, and that's causing problems. You know, that's clouding the gospel. So uh, I, I one of the questions we got yesterday during our hangout in the lobby was about using the phrase the cross and Mm -hmm. uh, i think that we should talk about it now here instead of waiting for that question later Mm because your title is division hides the cross so the question was Mm -hmm. more or less um is there any difference in saying the cross or saying jesus right so could you have said division hides jesus um, or division hides the gospel maybe might be another way to say that so i thought that was a good question a good mm-hmm. clarifying question, and it would help us clarify your title choice this week. Could you yeah. help us with that? So, in general, they are interchangeable, and I started with gospel because that's become a default buzzword, so that's the first thing I think of. But I think it's kind of problematic that we use the word gospel so much mm. in our tribe because it's not really a clear word. You know, like the word in Scripture is good news, and we've mm. turned it into this other it's a linguistically strange word gospel it comes from old english so um so i think that was my first thought was gospel and then i thought jesus which is where paul's going so when i'm doing an expository series i'm trying to focus on what's right here in the text and then is he going to say kind of the same thing in the next passage and if he's Mm going to say kind of the same thing then which word do i want to use this week and which word do i want to use next week you know i want to be as clear as possible so cross seemed to be his focal point even though he did use jesus you know he used these other words it just there's this particular scandal and grotesqueness of the cross itself that is part of where paul is going in this whole four chapter section it's it's a it's a scandal is one of the words the bible uses you know it's a it's a tripping point in a sense uh so so yeah so i think just Thinking through your main point, main idea. Where's Paul trying to get in Paul's head? Where's he going? What's he trying to say? Um, in general, Jesus or gospel would have worked, but in the specifics, Paul was really focused in on the grotesqueness and the scandal of the cross itself, the humility of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I like it. I think that's a good answer to your question. Anyone have other thoughts on the answer to that question, or is Dave's answer the only answer? It's <laughs> good. Yeah, I, I like it. I think a lot of times we hide away from the, um, I guess, the word of the cross, but I think it should be brought up more um, because it points us to, to the brutality of like the cross and what exactly what happened. I think if we just focus on that more, it would bring us to a form of humility. 
Um, when we just say the gospel, I'm not saying it's watered down, but I just think um, when you say the cross and you have to focus on really what happened, man, it's, it's pretty powerful. So I, I love that you use that choice. Hmm. And even Paul said, hey, I came to preach Christ and Christ crucified. He wanted to make sure he highlighted the crucifixion. So mm-hmm. I think that was that was definitely appropriate. I think Paul was trying to dig at, he used the word eloquent wisdom, and he, he's mm-hmm. he's digging at the, the sophist, the rhetorical, or the like, we use, we use the word marketing. So like marketing manipulation, communication manipulation, like we're all used to being like having ads trying to trick us constantly and get in our head constantly. And that was very common in the public speaking realm. They just had a, it had to be attractive and like wooing and beautiful and syrupy sweet kind of public speaking that would uh, charismatically persuade people. That was very important in the Corinthian culture. So I think that's part of why Paul kind of like goes for the jugular with cross because it, it undermines that focus on sweet speech. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I think that goes to yesterday I was talking about it's the pinnacle of the gospel too, right? So it's the most important mm-hmm. part and it's where we should be directing our attention some, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you, you talked about in your introduction about how the cross becomes hidden behind all of the other secondary issues, right? So the things that divide us... Um, hide the cross and when we focus on the cross when we are humble the cross then i guess the uh, the inverse of that is that the cross becomes um primary or the cross becomes at the forefront i guess uh, mm-hmm. introduction thoughts and ideas i thought uh, your example of the airport signs where there's these competing messages yeah uh, uh, and it confuses uh, what is really uh, at the core of what we want to believe and see and understand. And so I just, yeah, I just think that whole idea of competing messages confuse us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you address to a little bit, uh, Dave, when you say hide the cross, I, I mean, I, th- I know you wove this all in, but just really quickly and clearly, hides it for us, hides it for people outside the world. I mean, it's it's everything, it's, right? But yeah, yeah, it's both and. So I didn't really clarify that a whole lot. Like you said, I kind of wove it all in. But but for Paul, it's both. So um, for Paul, over the whole stretch of the book, he's going to come to man. The stuff you're doing is confusing people and and making outsiders unable to see the gospel. Mm-hmm. But he's also tighter in with this section. Going to say you're you're confused about the gospel. You're you're drifting towards something that's not really. Mm-hmm. you know gospel justification or cross justification you're you're drifting towards a self justification in your behaviors and in your your tribalism and factions and stuff mm-hmm. um, which is which is really fascinating it's it's tricky because um yeah historically some people go to extremes they use first corinthians this section to justify what is called carnal Christianity, fleshly <laughs> Christians that like never really change, never really walk with Jesus. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's definitely not biblical, you know, right. like James hits that pretty hard. Like you need to actually begin to change. The other extreme though, is people countering that can sound like you're only a Christian if you got all your junk 
cleaned up and together in your life. If not, you're not a Christian, you know, and, and that's not true either. I mean, Paul's here attacking, you know, fleshly Christianity where they're not looking like they're supposed to look. And he's saying, you need to go back and remember the gospel and remember mm. how the cross actually works. It's good. So, Dave, would this be considered, um, I guess, this group of people, would they be considered immature Christians? Or, like, how would you, I guess, categorize? Because I've heard the same thing about carnal Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, kind of, how would yeah, we think, label them? I think so. And, and so, here's what's dangerous is you'll hear people critique carnal Christianity, but it exists and it's right here in first Corinthians. <laughs> so, I mean, right, you gotta, right, right, right. So you got to be careful to say, well, just because the extreme of that quote unquote doctrine is wrong. Doesn't mean this data is not here. Like there, there is such a thing as immature Christians and carnal Christians. They exist. And Paul is calling them back to the cross and saying, you're drifting towards putting your hope in your achievements and your, you know, secondary issues, methods, culture, so he's calling them back to Jesus, calling them back to the cross, saying this is how you're actually going to get yourself on track. So so what were some of the secondary issues causing division? I mean, you talked a little bit about it, but like, what were some specifics there, and what do you think are some specifics currently? <clears throat> That's good. Um, so, man, he, he doesn't go as, in this section, he doesn't go as deep in the rest of the book. He kind of unfolds like uh, with communion, you have rich and poor differences where the rich are kind of being insensitive to the poor and showing off their wealth. So I think that tracks with a general idea of success versus failure, strong versus weak to kind of use some of the language that Paul has. So I think I think there are just layers of of this this culture in in Corinth where. Corinth was a place, it was a bustling city. There was a lot of up-and-coming people that were what they call freedmen, former slaves that were like the rising middle class, so to speak, you know? So what we would say kind of like rags to riches stories. And so they were trying to become the wealthy and powerful, moving up the social ladder. And Paul was like, don't let that get in your head as spiritual growth. Like that's, you know, that's a different thing. And Paul's real clear you know, rich or poor, you can follow Jesus. So it's not like one's better than the other. He's just like, that's not that cultural value is not how you're going to grow in your faith and, and really not how you're going to follow Christ. You're going to follow Christ despite being rich or poor. They're, they're, you know, snares with being rich and snares with being poor. So I don't know if that helps, but yeah, it's generally, you know, he's using wisdom and power. So it's like, being successful, being powerful, looking good, having money, you know, this kind of whole, we might say kind of like modern health and wealth stuff. Mm -hmm. People confusing that with actually knowing and walking with Jesus. And that's pretty applicable to today without really even having to translate that. I think, yeah, I think you talked some too about like the problem of factions. You talked, mm -hmm. I think, in Galatians. Um, you know, factions of leadership, of culture, that type of thing. Yeah, that. so you're seeing my notes. I didn't bring up Galatians in the sermon. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. No, that was a good that example. But Galatians is a good example. example I had on my own out of nowhere yeah. <laughs> was from Galatians. Mm. Yes, I put that in my notes and didn't have time to get to it. Um, yeah, but yeah, example. Galatians is, is an evidence of the same kind of thing. There it's Judaism. So I think in Corinth, it's more of a... 
Gentile, free grace, we don't really have to change kind of thing, kind of a low, an immature Christianity. Whereas in Galatians, it's it was Judaizing, you know, so like there are, um, we call it legalism and license, right? So those are kind of the two extremes we go to where we miss the gospel. One is like, grace is grace, we can do anything, we don't have to change, and that's more of the Corinthian problem. Whereas in Galatia, it was the they were coming in saying, "Oh no, you need to become a Jew in order to really be loved by God," um, mm. and that's and Paul was fighting that kind of factionalism over there. So it's a it's a factionalism in both places um, where people are putting their identity and following certain leaders and like, "Oh, I'm more I'm more holy because I I'm in this team or you know I read this you know I read this kind of book or I follow this podcast or I love this <laughs> preacher you know. Um, and, and again, we can do the same thing today. And that's where you have to be really careful and say, is it okay to have like a favorite author or a favorite preacher? Mm, yeah, probably. Problem is when you start quarreling with one another, that's the language Paul's using. When you're, when you're fighting and saying, I'm better than you because of who I follow, I think that's, that's the real tripping point. I don't know about, I'd push that back to y'all. Where do you, where do you see the like, I've crossed the line between normal preferences and like unholy preferences. What do y'all think? Hmm. Mm. Unholy preferences. I mean, mm. I think, I think there can be a really easy cynicism. We, it, It's interesting to me because it's usually a, a, let me say this. We, we have these clues. There's these markers of what do you think about this topic? Mm-hmm. What kind of, you know, what kind of politics do you subscribe to? What kind of, um, you know which preacher do you listen to the most you know and they are actually clues of people's worldview so they they don't come from nowhere they are they are a like oh that's kind of shorthand you know kind of people make fun of the enneagram right because there is the danger of saying oh you're a four and i know everything about you now (laughs) and that i think that's to me that's a lot of what we're talking about and where i see it come up is as soon as i heard that you liked this book I think I know everything about you Mm. and I will distance myself Mm. without actually getting to know you. Or Mm. as soon as I heard you're okay with singing this kind of worship song, I, I, you know, Mm. that, that's the thing. That's the stereotype. Right. And and now I'm just going to write you off as I know everything about you. And um, so I think that that's where I see it the most before even saying I'm putting out an identity for myself. I think we're ascribing identities (laughs) to other people based on, a social media post or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. that, that'd be my fastest answer probably. Yeah. I think for me, um, <laughs> when it comes down to preference preferences and, and then you divide over them, I think that's where for me, that's just wrong. Um, I think if it's doctrinal and it's legitimate, you know, I can understand to a degree, but when it comes down to preferences, uh, yeah, I, I just don't agree with that at all. I think, you know, the beauty of just having unity about like multicultural is that you learn from one, one another and all those cultures and things like come together like a quilt with different fabrics and patterns. And, and now you spread it out and it's beautiful. Um, and I think that's kind of like when I think of Christianity, I think of that. Um, but one color, one color uh, quilts are not the same. They, they're just kind of plain. So, so, so uh, but yeah, so I would think preferences. I think that when you divide over that, it's a, for me, I'm, I'm out. But doctrine, I can understand to a degree if it's legitimate, um, kind of like why we go that route. Mm-hmm. Or even before you divide, if you just uh, 
see another option of doing something or a way of doing something and you just instantly hate it or instantly think it's wrong or instantly mm-hmm. won't participate in it. Yeah. I feel, like, right. I feel like that's a sign to, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. Like not give it a shot kind of. Yeah. Well, it's and, all selfishness. And, well, not measure it against the standards, right? I mean, we'll mm-hmm. talk to him later. You gave, was it five standards? I don't know. I'm not in that part of the notes, but you gave some standards for what that would look like doing that the right way and why we do things certain ways. Uh, and so if you're not looking at it through some lens like that, like, is it biblical? Like if it instantly you're just like, I don't like it. It's not the same. It's not good. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. that's the difference right. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And you you did talk about it a little bit in your introduction, but I think we should probably save the big of that for later. Cause that's, you've only got two points this week and, <laughs> and that's, that's the main <laughs> part of one of them. So stingy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not much to work with. So two times. <laughs> oh, wow. It was like a 15-minute sermon, wasn't it? I don't think so. I don't know. Man, I'll tell you what. It was a good week this Sunday in church, though. Everything went pretty smooth except for Chris's in-ears, I think. Poor Chris was ripping his ears out. But uh, All right. What, what well, I forgot things? to turn my mic on. Well, I didn't forget. I just didn't look. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That, uh... Ended up working Muscle memory. Out. It ended Muscle up working memory, out. man. Yeah. But Chris just lost his ears, I think, indefinitely. So yeah. at least it was learned. worse than nothing. It was like really loud, nothing. Really loud, nothing. Really loud, nothing. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. Uh, we survived. I definitely, I definitely was at a close shot when you first started ripping them out, and I switched to a wide shot. So it wasn't <laughs> just you like ripping out your ears. I couldn't get it out. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's Falling a whole other skill on my resume. <laughs> like play guitar and sing and rip out your mm. earbud that won't come out. Yep, yep. It's mm. great. I think you had trouble because you were wearing mittens, weren't you? <laughs> no, he lost his mittens. He was a naughty kitten. Mittens. All right. Yes. Well, what else about your introduction? It was a big. Your introduction was basically a point, almost. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. lengthwise. I don't mean. Yeah. Like content-wise, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. a good, good overall, but. Anything else about introduction? I'm not going to say anything else because if I read from your notes, you're just going to be like, I didn't say that. You're making your <laughs> reading my notes. Anybody else? <laughs> I'm interested maybe to set the stage. Uh, maybe. Maybe this will work. To set the stage of mm-hmm. what are our modern factions. Just just not, mm. not address the solution yet, but... Set up what are some of the modern factions, and then as we go through the points, maybe that'll like more specifically apply to that. Um, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. Well, I think style mm-hmm. is one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Style separates people for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so musical style or, or preaching oh, style? I think it's, or? Well, I guess when I think of style, I think of uh, all of it in one, like the mm-hmm. whole worship style, like. Uh, obviously music is involved in that preaching style um i've heard some pretty you know grotesque comments about stuff like that um and i you know i just find it really offensive so yeah i think style is a big deal some people say well i can't listen to this type of preacher for whatever his style or ethnicity or whatever it is um and i just think that's terribly wrong so i've seen people break and just kind of go to do their own thing because they they uh and then we live in a society was individualized and you can have so many options. So it's like, mm. so people just kind of choose based on what they want. And um, yeah, mm. as long as we keep 
like having all these options, then yeah, kind of get convoluted. So, so style is a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess to me that's a huge umbrella too. I don't know how it's easy. I mean, and we don't want to label people either, but right. But is there like a safe way to say what kind of styles we're saying, or or you know, like we want preachers to yell versus we want preachers not to yell, or uh, mm. I know I know musically it's easy to say. I see old versus young, which is that's even an overgeneralization. But yeah, hymns versus non-hymns. Uh, I think another of, style thing too is like length of sermon or mm-hmm. or, or type of sermon. Like that's another style yes, thing too, right? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, we have mm-hmm. friends who do real long sermons when we go to their churches, and mm-hmm. it, it that might divide some people and be like, I can't go to church that does sermons this long or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. part of it, style. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think intellectual versus emotional. Uh, okay, it, it addresses uh, sermons and music both. You know, but there's kind of like an intellectual approach versus a emotional approach, and both will say the other is wrong. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think I of like, like um, expositional versus topical sure. um, mm-hmm. is a, is a big one. I know when yeah. I grew up, if you if you didn't, um, we, we would call it hooping. Um, <laughs> if you if you weren't hooping, then you mm-hmm. weren't preaching. So mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. was a big deal. If you came with expositional preaching, somebody would easily say, "This is boring. I'm not into this." Um, mm-hmm. And so that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm not sure what else. Yeah, I'm not sure how to categorize, but I noticed the like it's like social activism, and I don't know what's oh, yeah. the other side of that. But can you describe that, yeah. Dave? You know what I'm talking about. Or almost like political involvement too, that kind yes. of thing. Yeah. I think that's the opposite of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's, yes. Yeah. Social activism versus just, I think it's called the two kingdoms view. Like church just does preaching and sacraments. We don't, we don't talk about politics. We don't get involved in politics. You know, do that on your own time mm-hmm. versus letting it all bleed together and kind of overlap. And that can be conservative or liberal politics, either one. You can say, no, we, we got to bring that in. We got to push our church to do this thing or that thing or whatever yeah almost like the whole point is to get to to that level and everything Mm -hmm. else is just a means to that Mm -hmm. sometimes yeah that's good yeah anything else y'all can think of those are big ones kind of loud music quiet music (laughs) we'll uh, we'll talk about that warm sanctuary yeah elliot says programs Programs, mm. yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yep. It's a big uh, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, structure versus non-structure, spontaneity versus order. Mm-hmm. You know. That's a big one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think those are the biggest ones. Yeah. I, I I think that's helpful. So maybe now, as we look at the points, those are some of the things in the back of our head of of things we could grab onto that the and talk about how yeah how do we keep mm-hmm. the cross in front of that so. Yeah. And I think embedded embedded in all those things, uh, it's kind of what they pointed out. I think a lot of it is cultural. A lot mm-hmm. of it is like kind of where you come from, mm-hmm. your culture, all these different things. Kind of you start to align with different preferences, and that's when you see these kind of divisions. So that's when that's what's beautiful about the cross. That when now when you come to the cross, kind of you can kind of like renounce not all the way, but kind of like renounce some of that, so you can be mm-hmm. a part of one body and start to embrace one another. And just mm-hmm. kind of contribute with your culture, and on you see all these beautiful things coming together. Um, so that's kind of you know what I love about Christianity. 
Yeah. And so, so, I mean, what we're really talking about is framing your two points of cross before methods and cross before culture, right? And mm-hmm. so, I, I think I want to clarify, too, that cross before doesn't mean cross only, Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean uh, cross instead of maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so cross before methods means that it's it's more paramount. It's more important than the method. Mm-hmm. The cross mm-hmm. before the culture means it's more important than the culture. But that doesn't mean that the methods mm-hmm. or the culture don't have some influence and don't make it more beautiful. Even I don't I don't know yeah. what's right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, there can be an illusion that we can like float in space with like the perfect biblical, you know, culture that's no real earthly culture. Well, that's not really possible. Like you're going to you're going to have to make a decision, you know, like you're going to have to do something and that's going to be more like this culture and more like that culture. I think we just have to keep like stirring the pot personally. Um, So, yeah, you got you got to have a method. This is how we're going to do things. And that's totally fine. I think it's when you um, put your identity and your, um, you know, I'm better than you kind of language because of your methods and culture. That's where it gets really dangerous. Yeah. Maybe diving in a little bit to the the method side of things, too. The thing I like to say often is you can either be a baker or a food critic, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to be very aware of what you are because guess what? The food critics aren't making anything, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. like, but, but the, the baker doesn't have, or whatever, the cook doesn't have the option of not having a method, right? You, he will have to bake something and that's mm-hmm. putting yourself in a dangerous place. So I think people need to always be really aware of that of like, it's so much easier to just wait for someone to take the lead and to do something and to try mm-hmm. something and then just sit back and say, nope, didn't like that. But mm-hmm. when as soon as you're put into that kind of leadership position of you have to make something happen, you, you have to choose a method, like you, like you said. You, you, there mm-hmm. is no way, if, if you have no method, you're not actually doing anything. You're just a food critic. You're just sitting yeah. back and saying, I don't like what you did. Um, and mm-hmm. that's only yeah. tearing down. That's only a subtraction, not a, not an addition to to anything. So, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a real danger of the Christian culture right now. We have a blog culture or a online commentary podcast culture. You know, where there are a lot of people commenting about Christianity, which is part of what we do as Christians. We talk about stuff, so it's not like wrong right that helps us grow but that can be that can become a thing in and of itself you know so um yeah that's just a dangerous thing we have to be on guard about so it's not like wrong (laughs) i'm echoing i'm echoing yep somebody's somebody's watching our facebook stream and they're and they're on it that's my guess uh Nobody's going to admit to it. All right. All right. It's not <laughs> me. It's Dave. He already said it. All right. My, my, mine one. is playing in the background, but it's off. Like, so. I don't know. I don't know. It could be point ECAM. One. It's a new thing. Well, we're kind of already in point one. <laughs> yeah, we so, are. So, <laughs> so point one was the cross before methods. Chris is always trying to not let us rabbit hole, but then he rabbit holes five minutes later. Put a timer on it. Watch. I'm just I kidding. do a rabbit trail on point. That's my goal. 
I love rabbit trails, but I don't. I want them to be linear rabbit trails in the right field. We're building a warren. The holes are in the right field. Yes, in the field of yellow flowers. (laughs) All right. Um, I mean, we're already talking about preferences. We're already saying, I don't know. I lost track of time. I got distracted or of our place. Um, I don't want to read your notes out loud because you're just going to tell me it's something you didn't say. (laughs) It's not my fault. I think everything else is safe. It was just that Galatians thing. Everything else, I'm sure. I don't believe it. All right. <laughs> Dave says the expl- explanation of cross before method is, is that it's not forbidding preferences. Yeah. Wait. You wrote this wrong. His notes say not forbidding preferences, not forbidding disagreement. But what he means is not forbidding preferences, forbidding disagreement. Right? No, I, I actually meant. I, I meant that. Read the third line. you can't highlight something that's oh my goodness i quit some somebody else take over i quit throw them away well you're reading his diary don't critique no this is really good though joey this is a case in point it's really hard to distinguish so like I i was trying to say there it's not we're not forbidding preferences you can have a preference we're not even forbidding disagreements it's forbidding division. So like, yeah, it's like, well, where's the line? You know, can we argue about stuff? Well, yeah, we can argue about stuff. So that's that's where it gets really confusing. So I, I have to put that in there because I am a uh, temperament that prefers to never disagree about anything. And I've had to really press into, no, like we can't get anything done unless we, in a healthy, godly way, have some disagreements, some healthy conflict. Um. So the, again, that's where I was like, so what's the line? You know, what's the line between healthy disagreement and quarreling and factions? You know, and that's that's a hard line to walk. I think saying we're on the same team is a huge part of it. When you say you're not on my team because you're on team, you know, small group, but I'm on team one-on-one accountability group, right? So those are two discipleship mm. structures that churches use. Well, to say you're not on my team because you believe in that method, that's that's like, um, that's hiding the cross. That's saying it's not the cross that puts us on the same team. It's our methods, you know. So, so we can have disagreements and say, I really think here at this time in this place, small groups would work better to help people grow in their faith. It's okay to have that disagreement, but then to say we're not on the same team because you you like this other method. That's I think that's part of where the line is crossed what do y'all think what's the difference between healthy disagreement and like quarreling in paul's well how about before that too we clarify Mm -hmm. that this is in light of what you're calling the cross or the gospel Mm -hmm. or jesus right so Mm -hmm. there is a time to divide right there is a time for division and what is Mm -hmm. that right so before we get into minutia Mm -hmm. of what's between disagreement and division Mm -hmm. is there even a time to divide my answer is yes and if mm-hmm. and if so, what are those type of things? Which I've already hinted towards, I guess. But yeah, I mean, uh, you, you give up the cross, then we don't. We're not brothers, right? So that is mm-hmm. the division. That's what mm-hmm. makes us not families. When you say, um, "I'm saved by my works," you're saved by the cross. We can all be family, and be like, <laughs> "Well, no, no, we're not in the same family." Then you know, those are two different. Those are two different families. What, yeah, what about people, what about people who think they're in the same family? Does that make sense? So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. 
Mm. Do, do y'all have a good Call example of that? <laughs> I mean, are you talk, are you talking about like a like Jehovah Witness or, or something? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, I, I think, think it, it helps. Yeah. It helps that some of those groups say we're not in the same family. I think it gets a little more confusing with our um, LDS friends, our Mormon friends will try to say, we are the same family, but you're wrong unless you come over to our side. But we're in the same thing, mm. you know, like, so they'll kind of say both in, in the conversations you'll have with them. And uh, so, yeah, so I think we just have to have those ongoing conversations of like, no, different family. We, we believe in this and our hope is in Jesus and the cross the trinitarian god you know we have these specific things we're hoping in that make us part of a different family we can still be your friend we can still talk to you about things let's work this out but i think that's part of the bigger picture that's part of what a church is doing every week and we've talked about this in other ways in the past there's this idea that church discipline is like oh you've done a bad thing you're out but church discipline is like everything we do you know it's the culture we're we're always speaking from the Bible, we're always encouraging one another, we're always praying for each other and saying, this is this is the boundary of our fellowship, this is the boundary of our life together, is Jesus crucified, what he's done for us, this is what helps us grow, this is what gives us meaning. Um, so we're kind of saying it, speaking it, praying it to each other all the time. Um, so yeah, so I think what Paul's doing here is he's saying, uh, you're in trouble of slipping from the cross, so let me reiterate it. I, th- I think you're still in, but just the fact that you're drifting towards separating over these issues means you might be drifting from the cross itself. Um, mm-hmm. So it, there's a real warning here. So, so help me figure out what that warning in place. Mm-hmm. What about the separation of denominations, right? We joked a little mm-hmm. bit about, about mm-hmm. DTS versus um, uh, R- Well, it's not a denomination. Even- yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Like Baptist versus Presbyterian versus... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like nothing versus Bible Church mm-hmm. versus Memphis, Lutheran. Yeah. Like, I I yeah. feel like to some degree this is the type of division that he's talking about mm-hmm. in this text. But yet we live with that every day, and we'll still say, "Well, your family, kind of right." I don't know. How yeah. with this one. Yeah. How does yeah. this work with denominations? Well, oh, I think there's a difference between. Paul saying, I'm called to the Gentiles, Peter, you're called to the Jews, but we're friends. You know, they, they, so you see examples of that being worked out in, in uh, Acts, the book of Acts, where they're saying, okay, what, what are the boundaries of our fellowship? You know, what makes us the church? Are we on the same team, even if we have different callings and gifts? Yes. Okay. But it's still okay for us to be called to different towns or to different uh, directions. And I, I think at best denominationalism is that. At worst, denom- denominationalism is is factional and terrible. You know, so it's like I guess I'd say there there's good and bad. There's there are worse denominations and better denominations. There are worse and better reasons that denominations were started. A lot of them were founded on sinful reasons, but then they grew, repented, and you know came to a healthier place. So. Um, mm. And to be clear, Mormonism is not a denomination. It's not a denomination. <laughs> yeah, right. like right. said, say, different family. Yeah. Just make sure. not the family. I mean, I think that. we'd basically say the boundaries of fellowship in our mind would be Trinity and gospel, Trinity, gospel, and Bible. Um, it gets tricky when we start talking about our, our uh, Catholic and Eastern Orthodox friends because they have a different mm-hmm. definition of the gospel. And so mm-hmm. what a lot of people would say is um, – 
their teaching is wrong, but there are a lot of people in that group that know Jesus by faith, by grace, even though they can't articulate it properly. You know, like you can teach the wrong thing by accident and still be saved. Paul's going to actually talk about that in this section mm-hmm. later on in uh, chapter three, the idea of ministers teaching the wrong thing. And Paul says, you're going to, you're going to be saved, but it's going to be like by the skin of your teeth <laughs> <laughs> and all the stuff you've been building is going to get burned up. It's not going to last. You know, you're, you're, you're teaching wrong stuff and it's just going to all be a waste, but, but you're mm-hmm. going to barely make it because you belong to Jesus. So it, I, th- I think that yeah. category exists and it's, it's hard, hard to define. What you yeah, what were saying earlier too, Dave, really, it, it helped in my mind too of, we're talking about two different uh, ways to approach this where mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of like the, you know, the old cliche um, uh, counterfeit money illustration, right? So mm-hmm. if you're trying to teach a cashier how to, how to identify or how to really have, have good money, right? Like make sure mm-hmm. they're getting the right money. You can either try to make them acquainted with every single possible wrong kind of money and like study all the fake stuff, or you can have them, which is what they do, actually study real money and know what mm-hmm. it feels like so well. And so I think that's kind of the conversation we're talking about is like, mm-hmm. Paul could either say, here's all of the ways you can go wrong, and mm-hmm. this is a, this offense is wrong, and you should separate over this and not mm-hmm. over this. Or he can say, yeah. you need to be so in love with Jesus and have that as your highest treasure. Like we all need to be talking about that so much more than all of these mm. secondary issues. And so mm-hmm. I think that's that's what's fascinating that feels like what he's doing is just like, get back to the cross and all of that other stuff will will eventually work itself out. Same with, yeah. our, you know, trying to yeah. find out that, you know, there will be a time where you have to make this distinction. But the mm-hmm. main thing we should spending be spending our energy on is being in God's word, loving Jesus, being so mm-hmm. well acquainted with the most important thing that that mm-hmm. actually is the lens through which we're, we're seeing all of this other stuff. And, and I think that's what I see go wrong is like, I'm so studying this second and third and fourth doctrine that I've forgotten the beauty of the cross and that I used to be a sinner and oh my God, I mean, you know, I used to be lost in sin and now I'm saved and I have this humility rather than this prideful puffing up of, I figured out this one doctrine perfectly. And if you don't, if you don't get with me or I've figured out the small group method, that's going to save everyone rather than no Jesus only. I I, like, I think this is a good idea Mm -hmm. too. And we can talk about that, but do you love Jesus? Let's love Jesus together. You know, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think uh, I think what's helpful for me is kind of well, Dave. You explained to me like when I first got to Grace Bible about mm-hmm. these first, second, and third order type of things, and so mm-hmm. this the essentials of the gospel. I believe is mm-hmm. what unites us. And then after that, it's, to me, it's, it comes down to preferences. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, when I grew up, it was kind of interesting. Like my grandmother was Methodist, but mm-hmm. she refused to ever step foot in a Baptist church. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then if you talk to a Bap- you know some Baptists. They were so stuck on immersion versus, you know, sprinkling and all this other stuff mm-hmm. that they would, they literally, obviously they divided and they, I mean, if you go there and you say you were sprinkled or some other way, they'll say, oh, you got to redo it and um, a lot of different things. And that to me starts to become like, man, you know, you know, it should just be about the cross. And I know we can go different ways, but man, mm-hmm. that becomes hard. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I think. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I think I think our unity is in the cross, and that that's what we focus on. We focus on what we have in common. And I think that's that's really important. I think for most 
kind of young new believers, their growth is going to be centered on their local church anyway. So you don't necessarily have to say, here are the, the 300 bad things to watch out for. You know, you just say, here's the Bible, here's Jesus, pray, read your Bible, you know, come to church with us. You know, so mm. I think that in the natural growth process, it's helpful to start with your local church and probably needs to be said out loud because because we live in an internet age, there's the temptation of seeking growth out there on the internet and there are great resources out there, but it's just like probably want to start with the real people that God's put in your, your life, you know, and start, start local before you move out all over the place. And I think that's really big because I, I was actually thinking, well, this makes sense for our church, but doesn't make sense for a lot of churches because some churches, people actually stay in the same place for a long time and they'll stay in the same local church. So how would you even reach out to those people and how would they reach out to other people? But you're right, the internet age changes that. For us, I feel like we have to say it in our building often because people are moving often. Um, and I think we do say it more like, hey, when you're going to look for another church, be looking for these type of things. So I don't know. Mm-hmm thoughts on that yeah 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 i mean what would y'all say when people move what are the what are your top four things you'd say to go look for i'll tell you my top five how about this Mm. biblical honest (laughs) congregational doable no just kidding (laughs) that's music that's That's dave's list for how they choose music That's cute though right i'll tell you how the things that was important were important to us uh number one was how do you handle the Word of God? Is it a Bible-teaching, expository-preaching church? Um, then we look for community. Like, were mm-hmm. there, did people, like, come together in communities? Or was it just, uh, like, Wednesday night Bible study, but no small groups, and, like, no way to connect? So those are two um, kind of top priorities for us. And we it really was nothing that we didn't really, I can't say we didn't care about worship and all that, but none of that stuff really mattered. We just, did you, it came down, do you love God? And do you love people? Do you preach mm-hmm. well? And as far as like handling the word of God, and do you connect with one another? Mm-hmm. After that, it was, we were open. Mm-hmm. That's good. Anybody else? Chris, Jim? No, I'd agree with those. <laughs> I th- I think with music, whenever I've been looking for another church, I haven't looked so much for style, but more for theological content. Right? Like, are yes. we just doing fluffy songs? One of the big. Uh, Big tip-offs to me is if I go to church and the song talks a lot about me or I Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. you or he, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, that's something I glance for in music at least, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's valid. Chris can veto that being a good idea or not. No, it is. There's a place, I think there's a place for it, but yeah, if it's all all me, my, Yeah, I mean the majority, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. And I think that's a... That's a, actually going to be a marker of the of the preaching and the theology sure. of the church because because people who are okay with kind of fluffy, not distinctly theological songs are gonna <laughs> are gonna preach that way probably also. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, it's hard because I, I guess I'm sure there's outliers. You know, maybe I, I haven't really done a ton of church shopping in my life, but. Um, yeah, I think the the way you handle the Word of God. I, I was thinking, too, um, that's why saying the cross sometimes is really helpful versus just saying Jesus first. Because, one, you can have a personal interpretation of who Jesus is that's not connected mm-hmm. to the Bible. Um, 
What's what's beautiful about the cross, I would say, is something. Well, I don't want to go too far in a million different directions, but what I'm what I, what it is is it's the incarnation. It's the transcendent God becoming imminent to me in my life. It's the collision of high theology and practice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think there's the two two ways you can fall off the the, the boat is just either a to be a only a, a sort of Bible nerd that is looking at high theology and studying these these abstract philosophical and theological c- concepts, and it never affects your life, and it never helps anyone else, and you're never <laughs> you're never talking to real people, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a true danger. And then there's this other thing where you're running away from the Bible, um, and you're only looking at your own experiential feelings mm-hmm. about who God is, and so again the cross collides both of those things and you have to have like they say doxology and theology you have to have um right thinking and right doing a worshipful response to this truth so um i think that's why it's beautiful to say the cross that's kind of the shorthand in my mind of why saying the cross first what that that actually does combine those two things you can't get away you can't be an ivory tower scholar who never uh goes out and serves other people and you also can't be a person who just thinks god is whatever i think he is um so Mm -hmm. so that's why uh, that's also to tie that all together that's why i think the bible the way they handle scripture is the most important um Mm -hmm. thing for a church because you you, we know uh, hopefully as gospel people that there's that crimson thread of the the cross is the central point and you can watch everything building up to it in the Old Testament and the effects of it in the New Testament. And mm-hmm. if you're missing the cross that is in every chapter of the Bible, right, or, you know, every book of the Bible, um, mm-hmm. then then you're missing at the point. Like, Well, and what's shaping mm-hmm. everything else you're doing, right? Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Jim, you visited a bunch of churches when you moved to town 10 years ago. Uh can you recall what you were looking for at that time? Yeah, a lot of the same things you guys talked about. I mean, music was obviously a preference, and I tend to go with Joey's or Joey's comments there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what I see different is you can use the words I uh, a lot, but it's how I relate to God in the song that makes a mm-hmm. difference, not what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's it's not my performance uh being voiced in the music it's my relationship being voiced i think and then the preaching you know i'm looking for uh pe- people who rightly divide the word of god right they mm-hmm. they are uh, doing expositional preaching they are focusing mostly on preaching through a passage as opposed to picking a topic and trying to uphold that topic via mm-hmm. verses from all over the bible uh and there was there's a connection thing. I think that's really important because if we don't know each other, if we're only coming there for a get together that then we don't see each other during the week, then we really don't have community. Mm-hmm. And and I think that was really important to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, those those things are the things that stand out to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I would add something that was that's always been important to me is is a desire to reach the community outside of the church, and oh, that, yeah, that translates definitely. into like a zillion different methods. You know, right. like so, so that 
can be more evangelistic preaching, or that can be programs outside Sunday morning that are evangelistic, or it can be, you know, it can look like a lot of different things, but mm-hmm. that's something I know when I've, when I've church shopped, which hasn't been for 20 years, but uh, when I was doing that, that was an important piece for me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we've, we've kind of built our own application uh, mm. for this section. Dave, you, you were talking about the application of clarifying the cross, which is, I mean, mm-hmm. similar to what we're talking about, I guess, but mm-hmm. um, you're, you're basically saying know the gospel well. Once you know mm-hmm. the gospel well, you need to learn to separate it from methods, right? Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, what, I think if what we memorize yours? key gospel passages, key you know, uh, cross passages, then that keeps it at the forefront of our mind instead of just assuming we know it, you know, actually memorize what the scripture has to say about the gospel, um, study it, and then it's easier to to keep the cross first. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I was going to ask Jim when he was talking, but then he kind of actually answered it. But I say, how do you know when a, a preacher actually is doing the things you were talking about, right? But then you actually kind of gave an answer. But the answer is no scripture, mm-hmm. right? Study it yourself. Mm-hmm. And mm. know what the gospel is, know what the truth of the cross is. Um, mm. Become a cook. Yes. Don't just be in the kitchen. Yeah. In the kitchen. Yeah. A, vegan, a vegan cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's a method. I knew it was. I, yeah. <laughs> I just got to give a yeah. shout out to, you know, mm-hmm. a shameless plug. Shameless bacon, plug. Bacon every day, man. <laughs> carrot, carrot bacon. Carrot bacon. Bacon for the glory of God. Carrot bacon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's a, that's a podcast title right there. Oh. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Yeah, just oh joking. My. So is it okay <laughs> for Elliot to like vegan cooking, or is that a faction? That is a gospel Ooh. issue. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's a freedom issue, you know. Yeah. There's so much freedom. Totally freedom. It would. When would it be a problem, Elliot? So case study. When would it become a problem? What? <laughs> Get out of here. If you, th- if you think it's the only way, you know, to be honest, yeah. like if you think yeah. if if you don't like meat eaters to the point that, <laughs> that you like, dude, I'm not cool with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be mm-hmm. in a relationship with you. Yeah. You know, that's when it's. I mean, you're going overboard. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So yeah. we said a lot. A lot of times we tease ourselves. We say we're more plant based because once you say you're vegan, it, it comes with a lot of different um, nuances. <laughs> So you have to be careful <laughs> when you do that. Um, so a lot of times we just kind of, kind of highlight, hey, we, we, you know, we just eat plant-based food because we don't want to yeah. be attached to a lot of the nuances of it. Yeah, yeah. Vegan is more widely heard term, so you, it's easier to use that because of that mm-hmm. reason. But yeah, it has religious connotations. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. Okay. Well, and there is your vegan segment of the day. We're gonna move on <laughs> to point number two. Uh, which, sorry, plant-based segment of the day. <laughs> this podcast brought to you by leafy greens, carrots, mm-hmm. and vitamin D. All right. And B12. Bef- and B12. Yep. Sorry. B12s. I got my B12 gummies. I should probably get it the real way, huh? All right. Cross before culture. Um... Is it that different? What is? How about this? How about what's different between cross before method and cross before culture? How how is that different? 
I'm sorry, I just got a text that distracted me. Apparently, someone is sending out emails, fake emails from me. So, while we're talking to everybody, that is not me. So, I just got <laughs> two texts. Um, okay. Looks like a phishing email or whatever. Again? Yeah. What kind of websites have you been going to? you downloading illegal software, Dave? What is this? Uh, you know what it was? I was downloading Skype at the beginning of this call. <laughs> that is a lie. It is. Oh, it's right here. I, you you uh, scolded me. So oh, he actually downloaded it. Good, good work. Yeah. So I've Small got it on wins. my computer now. Um, yeah. Man, that's frustrating. Okay. So I feel the, like move, the move from methods to culture, is that where we were? Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, to, to make it a simple mm-hmm. clarification, what is the difference... Like, what are the differences mm. in, in talking about method versus culture, right? Like, a lot yeah. of the things that we talked about for method, I'm assuming, apply for culture, yeah. right? So, what, yeah, same, what is I think it's the same principle. So, exegetically, I used methods because it was, I like Apollos' preaching. I like Peter's preaching. I like Paul's preaching, right? They were following certain people. And then also the baptism thing, that's separate from the cross. And then on the other side, with the culture he started talking real big, like mm-hmm. Jews are like this. Jews value this as a culture. Greeks value this as a culture. So same principle, but but kind of different applications. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gets a little more into the ethnic stuff, but I mean, all that, st- all that stuff overlaps, you know. Like I said, at some point in the sermon, we're in a weird time in history where we are hyper-individualistic. So mm-hmm. our ethnicity is hyper-individualistic, our... Methods are hyper-individual. You know, like everything we do is so centered on self now that that's one of the biggest competitors, I guess, for our heart uh, loyalty. Yeah, my my hack at, at the answer for your question, Joey, is I, I feel like methods are feel like more intentional. Like I studied this thing. I decided this is the way to go. And culture to me feels more instinctive and identity driven like like mm. this is what i love this is what makes me happy uh mm. this is the way i was raised this is you know this is who i am i can't do anything different it almost feels like or or like mm. this just it just works right it just works obviously it just works doesn't it work with everybody it works with me you know like when you hear that song and you're like this is the right song this is the song that everyone should sing right we probably all had that moment of just like whoa this is a great song and and so i feel like does that feel pretty fair to say dave like like kind of this intentional choosing of a path is the methodology and the culture is more like it's built into me and it just feels right sometimes Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. should be obvious to everyone else too yeah that's probably a good way to think about it yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't even think we have to think about the culture part mm-hmm. because we grew up with it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's the it's the air we breathe yeah. or have mm-hmm. breathed all our life, and so you know we make joke about old people like me. We get our hardened categories right. The longer we keep in living like that's the way it is, mm-hmm. the less flexible we become. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I and mean, the like culture. I was gonna say I feel like culture is way harder to battle than than methods are. Like mm-hmm. we're we're often quicker to say, okay, we'll give up this method and for whatever, but to give up our culture, that almost feels like who we are, right? We can't give up who we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see methods as kind of coming out of your well, culture. 
Like, uh, you know, I'm leaving for a second. Because you like in, your culture is just embedded. A lot of times, the methods that you have correlate to the culture you, you know, raised in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember taking a class one time in, in a worship class, and I was I had the task of doing a Bible reading in a group, and the professor was uh, from Canada, <laughs> and uh, he he was like, he told me you you had too much emotion. In that you have to like tone that down. Oh, what? Um, you said yeah. no. And that, but but in the way I grew up in you know African American church, that was, I mean, you had to, yeah. I mean, it was the big deal. So for me, it's just so embedded, like with some some of the things that, you know, that I do, like as far as being forceful or uh, in preaching or um, being emotional stuff like that. That's just kind of who how I was built, you know. So. I didn't find it offensive. I just hmm. found it unique. I was like, why do I have to? I mean, <laughs> but to him, it was like, no, you don't do that like that. And hmm. well, and, and I would say to, to him, he took the issue too far. He could have said, yeah. hey, that was real emotional. That might come across strange to some people. You might want to yeah. think about your context of where you are when you're doing that. But for him to say, no, yeah. don't do that. That's actually probably, in my opinion, incorrect. Well, it is. And I, and I was in the class. I was the the only african-american so, no <laughs> so, so, so it was kind of like yeah. i i get it but it was but again it was one of those things that it's kind of annoying i didn't find it offensive i just found it annoying like just mm. come, you know i just found it like kind of closed-minded because yeah, it had sure. nothing to do with the gospel it was just a preference so there's no yeah. right way you know <laughs> to, to, to to read scripture unless you're going to butcher it up but the the way in which you read it i mean come on yeah yeah, yeah what do you think crazy. about that dave <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Elliot is a genius. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that makes me. That does make me think uh, that the difference. I, I, there's a difference between your family. Like I keep thinking, local church versus whole church, and this like mm-hmm. division from my local church, division from all church. Period. But I'll, there's mm-hmm. this moment of uh, as a missionary, the way you would act versus when you're in your with your family and. And I feel like so so right like Paul even will talk about becoming all things to all people. So there is a, there is a place like as a missionary where you might be even more okay with setting your culture aside, like you're saying, Joey, like context, right? So so I totally react against what yeah, like what they said to Elliot. That's that's crazy, especially in a class like you. If that's like a family moment, if you're in your local church and you're serving, like like to to a large extent be you right like don't don't stop being you and i guess then there's this difference of a missionary moment of like okay i'm going to be even more aware of what is going to translate um and then i do think there's a messy middle like when you're entering into a new church trying to figure out what are they ready for do they know me yet is this you know what i mean like i'm sure there's that like awkward like okay i know if I just gave way to my total preference, I would do this. But they're over mm. here, and they're not ready for that. They would take that <laughs> totally the wrong way, right? But Absolutely. maybe if I stick with it and we become family, then there's more and more freedom. And and mm. that that actually brings me back to the to the thing of like, there's this should be this journey from food critic to cook, and you get to cook more and more and more in the kitchen when you're like with family, right? Like. You don't have to. You don't have to um, kind of edit yourself so much. 
uh, when you find out. And what's beautiful about that is you you build your own culture, right? Like when someone marries into a family, they start to learn the traditions and the culture of that family. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, but they affect the, the traditions and the culture of the people they just joined. And that's the beauty is when you have this whole new thing of the that you're a part of the culture. You're not just standing outside critiquing. And they're not just standing on, on the other side of the room critiquing. You both have like assimilated to each other and become something beautiful together. Yeah. I don't know how we got there, but there's my rabbit trail. But we're in the right okay. field, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> field of That's yellow good. flowers. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of times to echo what you were saying, Chris, it's kind of the onus, I believe, is on the majority culture to, to kind mm. of like bring – the minority culture along, whatever that may look like, you know, it doesn't have to be ethnicity. It can be class, you know, it could be whatever, um, but kind of bring them mm-hmm. along and to congregate better. So a lot of times, you know, if you're the minority, uh, um, I mean, you find yourself trying to assimilate more. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems like the one that's the majority should be like, Hey, you know, no, like be yourself. Like, you know, um, I think that's highly important um, yeah. too. That's good, man. Love it. Hmm. Yeah, so the the weaker brother thing, mm-hmm. or uh, not even so much that. I just think it's uh, we have to be, as Dave put it later, compassionate mm-hmm. and caring about what happens to other people in the way we do stuff. You know, what yeah. is the effect upon what we do? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. So again, there's there's just a danger in either thing. There's a danger in completely withholding your culture and saying mm-hmm. I'm going to edit it out completely and mm-hmm. never show anybody where who I actually am really. Mm-hmm. And there's a danger in saying I'm free to do whatever the heck I want, and I'm <laughs> even going to put it upon you to respond correctly to whatever I'm going to decide mm-hmm. to do. <laughs> right? Like yeah. I see both of those things, and it is a struggle. It's not easy. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot of self-denial, like, you know, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, to move towards application, your application is more or less be united, right? Find ways to be united and not divided. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Work towards unity. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. reconciliation is another word for that. Reconcile mm-hmm. with others maybe who you have been divided with. And uh, I want to move to the three... Uh, New Testament words that display the cross or the gospel um, mm-hmm. move us that way, um, not because we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes, but because we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> Got to move us towards an end. I love it. I'd say we mm-hmm. could stay conversing all day long. Conversing. Mm-hmm. I'm Dave now. Um, <laughs> maybe we could talk again tomorrow. We'll bring someone else in. But... Uh, <laughs> Your three words were, who knows them off the top of their head without cheating? Oh, without cheating? I already cheated. Me too. (laughs) Too too late for that, man. My notes are in front of me. Exactly. (laughs) So much cheating. I'm not looking at my notes. You want me to try? Oh, yeah. It'll be really hard for you. Please try. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, gosh. How about this? Would anybody add to those words? So say uh, them first. No, okay, can we say no, that? No, yeah. but I was going to say that the first one I think mm. is the hardest one, mm. compassion, because mm. we have been so, uh, oh, God, speak for myself, uh, cynicism mm. and criticism mm. of others for what they do and the way they do it mm. uh, without, it, my example is I was driving home from up near Gatesville yesterday and this car passed us 
And there's a guy whose head looked like Chris's head, except that it had tattoos all over. Uh. And what do you what do you think my first response was? It mm-hmm. wasn't compassion for. Oh, I I wish you hadn't gone down that road because that is hurting you so bad. I wonder why you did that. No, it wasn't compassion. It was like you idiot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you know, I think that's our. It's at least for me. It's really hard to see people doing things that are countercultural or even just giving into their culture mm-hmm. and not be concerned for their welfare. No, that's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we all struggle with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think ironically, the word compassion, I think uh, I read a book called The Emotional Life of Our Lord and uh, by B.B. Warfield. And he was saying that, A, that compassion was the, the most prominent uh, emotion of Christ. Um, mm. And I thought that was very, very interesting. Yeah. And it definitely humbled me because I know like as a, as a minority, I would, I would want people to kind of come to my side, but if I have compassion, I would, I, w- I should look more to the other side and understand the majority. And um, I think that's hard, you know, uh, if you feel like you're the minority. So I, I can, you know, I see it from the opposite side and, and man, that's, that's tough. Um, so I have to always challenge myself to get to know other people and understand where they come from and not be uh, skeptical and, and cynical. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's, that can be tough. Man, I'm such a cynic. I catch myself all the time. It's so bad. So you, your three words, though, were compassion, which we've been talking about, hospitality, and patience. And I was just thinking through it, and I think it really is um, the greatest commandments, right, summed up. Mm. You know, if if you love God and if you love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. then you will be showing compassion. You'll be hospitable. Mm-hmm. You'll have patience for other people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ooh. other thoughts on those? What do you think? Yeah, I, I was just thinking, even just the word compassion is so, so deep, right? Like, mm-hmm. so you could have passion, which is really more, I think, etymologically tied to pain. So, you can feel this pain of my own thing or we we use it more as like i've i have this like burning desire to see something happen or this is what matters to me but then when you make it compassion it's actually i think i think you can correct me dave if i'm wrong but i think it's more like with pain like to mm-hmm. feel the pain coming of other people coming alongside another coming yeah. alongside co pain mm-hmm. co pain or or yeah. or use it more modern and even in the more modern usage of passion it's co caring about a thing so it's like mm-hmm. you're bringing upon yourself so so that's exactly what we're talking about so if i just have my singular mm-hmm. this is what i care about passion that mm-hmm. can so easily divide but when we come together as a family that lo- under the you know under christ with the identity that the cross gives us mm-hmm. then we have co-pain we have co uh, mm-hmm. passion and vigor for things so yeah mm-hmm. that's that's beautiful yeah and I think that's a big key to, and I think I've talked, Elliot, about this some with you, but with black-white relationships over the last few years, I think there's this rush to say, uh, let's think about this coldly and statistically. We're not allowed to have feelings about it until we have all the information. And that's, I think, often how whites would react to, like, a black man was killed by the police and the white's reaction was, Hey, we need statistics and facts. We mm. we're not allowed to have compassion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of silly. Like you can have compassion for someone, even if their statistics are wrong. 
you know, like you can listen to them and how they feel and if they're hurt. But I think that's a really weird thing where we went wrong the last, I feel like it's been in the news a lot, last four or five years, concerns about black-white relationships and unjust killing by police, you know, all these kinds of things. And I think that's part of where the discussion got off track was was people saying, like, compassion's not allowed unless we have all the facts. And I, I just think that's a silly premise. I don't, I don't think that's true. Mm. That's so true. That's, and I think a compassion, I always think, What's unique when I in the New Testament when you see when you see when Jesus has compassion for someone typically it's followed by a miracle. It's like mm. it's this it's this action that comes out of that. Like you don't mm. it's not just an emotion that's that stays still. Like you literally mm. are doing something with it. And I think that's what's so so powerful. Uh, when I think when I think of compassion, um, I think I think for for in regards to my community, one of the laments that I would have similar be like in the OJ case um, mm-hmm. because we were treated with what we people weren't compassionate with us then we became non-compassionate with other people so mm. then it became like well i, I don't really care if he killed you know nicola or, or the husband we just want to get him off like it was just like no compassion <laughs> for mm-hmm. the uh, the other party and that's when you become a, you become um rooted in sin because you've been you know i guess oppressed and so it kind of go it goes both ways it's not you know it's not just on one side mm. huh. I love that. It's like, yeah, we, we, we learn to demand compassion instead of give mm-hmm. compassion. And I, I think that's, that was what I was thinking too, is like this, this dynamic between leadership and non-leadership. So you think, oh, the leadership needs to have compassion on the non-leadership, but it can go the other way too, where the, mm-hmm. where the people who aren't in leadership can have compassion on the leaders who are having to make a choice, right? It mm-hmm. happened in the coronavirus decisions all day, right? Like we're like, mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing our best. We want to be, we want to help people. We're reading these thousands of pages of whatever suggestions, you know? And so I, I think the people who aren't in leadership could have compassion on someone who has to just make a call, right? They, Dave had to say, this is what we're doing, right? Like we're doing the best we can. We love you. Um, and so, and I think that like you said, towards, towards majority and minority culture too, that's some of that same, it can feel like that same kind of power dynamic of people in power, not in power, and is compassion go- going both ways, right? And obviously, there's a huge responsibility on the people in power because they have the power. You know, um, right. same thing with the leaders. You have a higher standard to live to, but don't don't forget to have compassion for your leaders. Or you know, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like back and forth, mm-hmm. compassion yeah. should go. One of, one of the things I was noticing watching TV the other night is that I am more likely to have my guts wrenched by the manipulation of a scene on a TV show hmm. than I am by talking to a real person. Because mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we've learned uh, we can be free in the TV thing because nothing's going to happen, right? It's not going to mm-hmm. affect me later. Mm-hmm. But with a person, if I, if I allow myself to emote that way, mm-hmm. then I'm... I'm really protecting myself by not allowing what they're feeling or experiencing to affect me. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I just found it really yeah. odd that that happens to me. I mean, yeah. plus part of it too is that it's a professional design to wrench your guts. You know, <laughs> like, I was going to say, I get them being yeah. manipulated, but it's yeah. the soundtrack, Jim. I can follow you around with some uh, oh, yes. violin music <laughs> if you want. You feel compassionate real fast. <laughs> True. I, th- I think the one that, uh, when I, another aspect when I think of compassion is the 
you have God incarnate on the cross who literally says, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I mean, he had compassion on people who were literally trying to kill him. I mean, it's so from that aspect who, who had the most power in the world. So, um, Mm -hmm. man, that's, Mm -hmm. so when you see that, it's kind of one of those things, no matter who you are, it's Mm -hmm. you have to have compassion for everyone, even in their ignorance, you have to have compassion for them. Um, yeah. So good. We did have that a few questions about the music side of things too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's a good place to jump in. I know we've been going for a while. So, uh, did you have those, Joey? The I was gonna look them up. I don't. Was it in this stream or a different stream? It is a uh, email. Oh, it was just to me. Okay, that's why. I was All like, right. I don't know. email to me. Uh, uh, this person just said, I enjoyed the mention in the sermon about how music is selected for worship. And I would love to hear more about how you guys came up with those specific questions and goals. Um, yeah, yeah, that's one. There was one other question too, but um, maybe that's just my hobby horse. So <laughs> you guys decide if that's one, something you want to talk about. Mm. <laughs> I thought I will say, Dave, I, you did an awesome job uh, summing up the conversations we've had for years and years and years. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. And the struggle is real, y'all. Every single week, we're we're getting feedback of what we're doing wrong. Seriously, yeah, I uh, think <laughs> I think what hit the last conversation Chris and I had about it was someone said, "Hey, you should just do this kind of music." There's an anonymous thing, and it's stuff we've already talked about. Like, yeah, we're we're praying, thinking, studying on how to do this music. But I think it was just said offhand, real easily. Like, I think the assumption is the only reason you're not doing it is is out of ignorance or selfishness. <laughs> And I don't mean to be overly uh, harsh on, you know, whoever suggests this, but there's an assumption that the Chris or the band is a CD player and all you have to do is suggest a song and boop, it gets played, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to help people understand, man, there's this like multi-layered thing going on here where number one, the band can't just do any song you suggest. Number two, there's like lots of other criteria that we're looking at so that that was what i was trying to help people get in on you know like and there's there's a lot to this um anyway i don't know if that helps explain kind of where that was coming from Mm -hmm. but i was trying to uh show a little bit of the behind the curtain complexity of yes we are trying to do more and different kinds of music but we our goal is not to just do whatever people suggest you know like you like a song all right we'll do it next week that's that's (laughs) No offense, but definitely not our goal. So. <laughs> we but have, I always we have add, in, I add in the converse, these conversations or try to, we mm. are not giving up. We will never stop trying. We are committed yeah. to the fight of of yeah. trying to, to be as biblical first and diverse as we can be in a healthy way. Um, mm. But really, honestly, I think I think one of the big points to make is People aren't always asking the question, what's most helpful to me? You know, what, mm-hmm. what's most helpful to the most people? They're trying to say, mm-hmm. what feels best to me? And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that, that's a little bit of the weight of leadership is, uh, uh, hopefully good leadership is I'm asking, yeah. I'm trying to ask the question, what is most helpful for the most people? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. And that's going to sometimes feel like, just totally missing the mark. That's going to sometimes feel like stylistically you're just wrong. And sometimes it's going to feel like eating barley bread when what you wanted was, you know, 
ice right. powder down that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, hey, Chris, I, I, I love the music. I think it's very theological. That's what attracted. That's what attracted me. And I've talked to you this before about uh, about the music. And me personally, obviously, I come from a different background. But I think unless you have other culture, other cultural, um, other cultures that are musicians that actually mm. join you, that can actually create this new type of music, because it's not going to be one-sided. It's going to be a, a mm-hmm. collaboration of cultures and styles. Then yeah. you have a new sound, and that's what makes it beautiful. But until you have that, that I guess, that influx of, you know, diversity within the core, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's this it's just yeah. kind of like no way. I mean. Well, it, yeah. it'll either feel disingenuous, you know, it'll feel fake, mm-hmm. or, or right. it will feel weird and not good. Yeah. You know, those exactly. are the options. Yeah, son, is the only one that could do it. My right. son helps to lead worship. <laughs> like he's kind of like one of the backups and on the worship team at a multi-ethnic church in Memphis. And so I asked him, like, "Hey, could we do some of what y'all do? You know, kind of introduce some of that sometime. You know, maybe sometime when you're here on a break." And he said, "Well, I'd, I'd need a different band to do it." <laughs> exactly, <laughs> he's exactly. like, "Okay, I've learned how to do it, but I play with a different kind of band there than than we yeah. have here." So, Absolutely. Like, oh, okay. I didn't, so, and I didn't even realize it was that complicated i was like you can't just plug and play and <laughs> no so. so yeah so this is the call again the theme that keeps coming back i'm mm-hmm. inviting some people into the kitchen but listen yes. listen more cooks okay but you have to come for the good of the meal okay you have mm-hmm. to come not just to show how good of a cook you are but actually to help and do what's best for people because mm-hmm. um, that's the other danger is like it's not just hey i have a different style you have to let me on the team you know it's like yeah. we still have to make a meal you know <laughs> don't come to just pour sense. salt on the meal you gotta actually <laughs> yeah, add exactly. that flavor yeah. right and then, yes and allow the focus to be the gathering and not the type. Mm. So it's like one day it could be meatloaf, the next day it could be pizza. But the problem, yeah. but the issue is, do I enjoy gathering? That's the central mm. focus. So Amen. the cross and theology is the central focus. How we get there and all that, hey, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of is what it is. It's like It's just preference. Or it's just preference. Yeah. Mm. But we are mm. praying for those cooks to come. Yeah. We don't need more food critics. We need more cooks. Let's, let's do it. It's going to be <laughs> <Yes>. awesome. <laughs> right. Come cook. Come cook. Well, thanks for tuning in, y'all. I'm going to end us. This has been Sunday Recap. It's a weekly sermon podcast where we talk about life and faith. We're glad you joined us. Uh, We will see you on Sunday on our live streams. Yeah, vegan vegan meatloaf, if that's what the comment (laughs) actually says. Yes, lentil lentil loaf. All I see is meatloaf. I'm assuming it's vegan meatloaf. (laughs) Um, Well, thanks for tuning in. It's been Sunday Recap. Uh, We'll see you all on Sunday for our live stream of our service. And we'll see you next Monday for Recap.